Lousy. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Fly Sweet Podcast. We're going to be talking all things NFL draft. And to do so, we got our good friend Mo Moten on. Mo, how you doing, my friend? Doing pretty well. Um, pretty nice you can't hear this out there, but if I hang up on these two guys, it's, it's probably my fault. Um, just because he doesn't like us. Technical difficulties a little bit before we got on, but we're all good. Yeah. Nah, the truth is, he just doesn't like us. That's, yeah, that was his plan the whole time. It's Sabotage more of a pity us. thing. Yeah, it's more of a pity thing that he's on here, to be honest. It's the truth. He's just it's a little too Coast. modest. It's the West Coast versus East Coast thing. I, <laughs> <laughs> how you uh, how you holding up during quarantine, Mo? How is it out, out in New York? Uh, pretty, uh, still pretty bad out here outside. I just kind of stay in all day. Uh, I said it on a previous podcast. I'm, I'm shacking up with water and peanut butter cookies. So um, <laughs> Yes! I'm, I'm pretty much good with that. And then, you know, just waiting for for the greatest play, NBA player of all time. Uh, his documentary dropped tonight. So, yeah, for that. That's going to be straight fire. I can't wait for that either. It's going to be, that was one of the things when they like released it. And I'm like, man, we got to wait till June where, granted, I'd never want to have the quarantine, but I'm almost kind of glad we get it a little bit earlier. That's going to be awesome. But in the meantime, we, we get Raiders draft talk and all the, all the stuff, all the debates of, Ooh, which wide receiver should they take and do they take a quarterback all that stuff you get that oh yeah between. exactly and then Two speaking... at 12 <laughs> oh yeah there's a, there's a couple things wrong with that but uh we'll get into that a little bit later but uh you know mo you mentioned it you know mentioned the wide receiver position obviously that's a big uh point of emphasis for the raiders and there was kind of a couple quotes we want to get into before we start talking about players the first one that i wanted to talk about was from uh mayox i believe it was on Raiders YouTube channel and in uh, this quote actually comes from Paul Gutierrez on Twitter where Mayock had said that they're hoping to find a whiteout that fits the Raiders need and culture and I don't know about you guys but I heard that and I almost like crap myself again because I'm just <laughs> sitting there thinking like why are we talking about the culture and need again and having flashbacks a little bit to Cleveland Farrell where I'm thinking can we just take the best one available and like I get that you know you got to fit in the scheme but it's not like any of these guys are like you know, Judy, Lamb, Ruggs, or any of the top guys are, you know, kind of shitheads and are like A, B. So I don't really think there's going to be a culture thing, and I get fitting into the system. But to me, it's like if you can't get C.D. Lamb, if you can't get Jerry Judy to fit in your system, I think there's something wrong with the system. I don't know. What are you guys' <laughs> thoughts on that quote? I that's think a, Gruden, interesting one. I, I, I just honestly think Gruden and Mayock want a guy, and I hate to use the word sophisticated, you know, because I don't I don't know these players' IQs and you got wonder liver scores of that nature, yeah. but I, I just think he wants a player who can intake a lot of information. He and Mayock talked about this during the combine. He, he doesn't want his wide receivers looking to the sideline when he runs out to the yeah. You got to know all your routes. You got to know all three wide receiver positions. You got to know what to do if the play flips. And mm-hmm. when he talks about a player that fits in their system, fits in their offense, I think Jerry Judy is the guy playing the pro style offense. Of course, Ruggs and Super Bowl from Alabama. But I think Jerry Judy is a more refined route runner, full route tree, and I think he's the guy that can come in and contribute to day one. Whereas CeeDee Lamb, uh, people don't talk about this, and, and I get it. A lot of college wide receivers don't face a lot of quality press coverage, but can he get off the press on the on the pro level? You know, yeah. is his route tree as sophisticated as Jerry Judy? I would say no. So if you're looking at fit, per se, and not just the talent itself, I think 
Judy fits with Mayock and Gruden would want. Yeah. I mean, I can hear you on that one. And again, it's kind of like, you know, I'm a, I lean towards lamb. I kind of like a lamb a little bit better. Just, um, you know, I, I like his versatility a little bit more, you know, he won on the outside a little bit more than uh, Jerry Judy did, but that's not to say that Judy can't cause he had Henry Ruggs on the outside that didn't really need to have to win on the outside. But I, and I would be totally fine with Jerry Judy. I guess my worry is that we're going to kind of get that, that shock we had last year where, you know, there seemed like the obvious guy or the guy that was going to be the better player, but the less of the scheme fit with, you know, a Josh Allen or Brian Burns. And they come out, kind of come out of left field a little bit and go off schedule and get get that kind of uh, that Cleveland Farrell guy who, again, you know, not going to write Cleveland off as a bust, but obviously was not as impactful as some of the other rookies. And I mean, I do understand what you're what, you know, you, Mo, you're saying and uh, and Mayock said about, you know, wide receivers not being at as advanced, but that's kind of something that you're going to almost gonna have to live with with every young player. And at the end of the day, like I'll take the guy that's talented and may, you know, drill the try and drill the playbook as much into his head as I can because either way you're gonna have to do that. But I told, I mean, I'd be totally fine with Judy or Judy or Lamb. You know, if that's the deciding factor, I'll I'll get on board with it. I just I just get worried and get flashbacks to last year. Matt, that actually ties into another quote of Mike Mayock's: "How you're getting flashbacks of Farrell and even Miller to a degree." Because when, when I sent you that tweet that from from a little snippet of his quote, I just I was right there with you. I just cringed. And when I re- and here's here's the quote that Mike Mayock said. I think the biggest mistakes people make is trying to reach for a need. So the board will fall whatever way it falls. And if we're fortunate enough to get a corner, that would be great. And that's an obviously in regards of for, for that cornerback need because, you know, no duh, that's a need next to wide receiver. Um, Mayock, <laughs> have you looked in the mirror? Um, you guys went for <laughs> you guys totally went beyond way. I mean, that guy who had the who's uh, who's famous for when he had that little disgusted face when they when they drafted Farrell. That's exactly <laughs> how I felt when they drafted Farrell. And look, they dra- they they signed Carl Nazib, and now it's who are you going to sign? Who are you going to start? Who's going to get the role player? And we you know we talked about this with Q and Bonte and everything. But it's just <laughs> look, you're take your own medicine, you know, take your own advice. You're not going for the you you're, you know you're you just mentioned it about going for these cultural players, and you're not going for the best player available. It's it's just the facts. You had Derwin James sitting there two years ago, and the idea thought the thought process behind that was, oh, we got Obi and Carl. Well, how'd that work out? And then last year we got Farrell. Oh, well, he's a culture fit, and you just minimize them to a run, run defender. So I hope this year at 12, a little less predictable at this point, just take what works. Don't take what you what you personally want. Like, oh, he fits he fits this because he's a good stand-up guy. Like, no, take the take the talent. Take the talent, please, <laughs> man. Even Steven Wonder can see it. And I think really, I mean I think really, what go ahead. Go ahead, really, Mel. The only the only difference in this situation is now Cleveland Farrell fit a neat. Now you could say they reached for deep. So my thing is, there, there's no, I guess, quote-unquote, air quotes, Cleveland Furrow pick in this wide receiver class that would jump. See, I don't see who you're taking over CeeDee Lamb, Jerry Judy, or Henry Ruggs. Mm-hmm. Or are you mm-hmm. going with yeah. Justin Jefferson at 12? If you do that, there, there should be a complete riot in the streets of Oakland <laughs> and Las Vegas. T. Higgins. Like that. T. Higgins, another riot too in the streets of Oakland or Las Vegas if they take Higgins over those three guys. So I don't think there's a player that you can honestly say should be over those guys even if you look at culture fit and say we want a, a two three time captain 
we want, you know, we want a guy who, who kisses babies and shakes hands. That's cool, you know, but I, I just think that the top three wide receivers are pro- pr- probably pretty much the top three on most pe- people's boards. You could probably drop Henry Ruggs on some boards. People may think Henry Ruggs is too small. So I could see people dropping him a little bit. But as far as Lamb and Judy, I, I would think most teams, if not 95% of them, have those two guys at the top of their board. And if those one, if one of those two guys are ready, you have to take them as well, especially with your need at wide receiver. But, Mo, we're talking about the Raiders here. This is John Gruden. This is Mike Mayock. And although Mayock is more of the level-headed guy in this in this sense, it, you can't put anything past these guys. I still feel like there's going to be some random gaffe. I mean, the last two years have proven that, if anything. Heck, but even when the they – that's the thing, though, is like I think what you're talking about, you know, taking the best player, that's what Mayock's quote saying, you know, take it for what it's worth. And when you're talking about like the Jer- Derwin James situation, that was pre-Mayock. And I'll cut him a little bit of slack with the Cleveland Farrell. I mean, obviously, you know, we would have liked someone else like a Josh Allen um, in that spot. But the need for an edge rusher last year was just so bad that they had to. I mean, they had an NFL worst pass rush. And I mean, sure, they ended up going with the culture guy, which is, you know, Obviously, it's going to be uh, another thing on on my concern and, not, and whatnot. But I think that with what he's saying, it's not like we heard this quote last year when the need for an edge rusher was much better than or much bigger than the need for a cornerback or wide receiver. So I think what I, I hear where you're coming from, you know, looking at the past, looking at Derwin James with Gruden and uh, with Gruden's first draft and whatnot. But at least like you said, we have Mayock to kind of be that calming presence and keep Gruden in check. And I think this quote is actually pretty good. You know, hopefully it's not smokescreen, but I think it is exactly saying what what you're talking about, Jose. I don't think he's even – I don't even think – I know we say, oh, everyone say, hey, he's there to keep Gruden in check. But look, Gruden's still making these moves. You think that was a Jason – that Jason Witten signing was Mike Mayock? Hell no, dude. That was John Gruden. I mean, we, we talked about it with, with Q and, and, uh, and Bonte when he was on. It's it's good that the that he's there. He can be that little secondary, like here, like l- let me get the needle and stab you in the shoulder to wake you up. Be like, hey, <laughs> what are you doing here? Let me be let me be the guy that chin checks you. And I know that you mentioned that two years ago, Mayock wasn't there. But then again, that alludes to my point. Gruden's still calling the shots. It's still gonna be what he wants, and it's still gonna be the culture. And like I was gonna say, the trade even when they traded down from that, what was it, the tenth spot, whatever to go to fifteen yeah. or whatever at the time. Even that trade was bad. You could you couldn't have gotten more from the Cardinals for that pick. Like, come on, really? And it's just it just continues to prove that there's zero. There should be zero faith in these guys picking at twelve this year until something gets proven differently. And I know that twenty eight that twenty nineteen draft class was very strong overall. There's still two mysteries, obviously, with Abrams and um with Abrams and Farrell at this point. Although Farrell, I mean, you still got to come some slack as it is this year too. But at 12, it's it, it's a tough one. I know what Mo said. Hey, it's like, it, how can you mess it up? <laughs> well, we, it feels like they yeah. kind of can still. You know, I mean, trading up somehow or taking a quarterback. I mean, there's it, going to be, you know, it, it's funny how Mo how Mo's given us, given me at least a little slack before. Like, hey, man, you're a little bit of a 49ers coverage guy. And at least for me, it's like, all right, I can definitely see and kind of feel what's predictable for the 49ers to take at 13. At 12, I have no idea what the Raiders are going to do, even though I know what their biggest needs are with the wide receiver and corner. And I still feel like it's going to be the luck of the draw in this case. And I know the draft to a degree is such a crapshoot. But, I mean, man, what is this guy going to do? So, at least I'll say this. To their benefit, it's good for them because at least teams will be forced to trade up because they just never know what they're going to do. Yeah. And I mean, on the trade aspect of it, too, like I know you're talking about, um, you know, not getting enough with the Cardinals. And I think, 
you know, that's another spot. And maybe I'm giving the guy too much credit. Maybe you'll uh, push back on this. But if we heard about, if we remember the stories from last year, you know, Gruden was urging Mayock to, you know, push up and try and trade up for Josh Jacobs. And Mayock still kind of stuck, stuck to his guns and sat there and said, you know, we're going to let the draft board play and it ended up working out. So I, I really do think that Mayock's calming pr- like presence is kind of making a big difference. And I think will hopefully make a big difference again this year. But I, I mean, I 100 percent on board with you. You know, everything is the every final decision is made by the 10 million dollar man or the 100 million dollar man. So I'm with you on that. But I just I feel like this is a step in the right direction. And I think, you know, bring up Witten. I, I get it. You know that I question that signing as well. But I'm hoping what I'm hoping is, is that's Mayock's his uh, his way of playing chess. His way, here, I'll give you this, John. I'll let you have your 37 <laughs> year old tight end who's well past his prime. But you give me the draft. And then at the end of the day, you know. Hopefully, uh, like Mo said, it's hard hard to screw up between Ruggs, uh, Lamb, and Judy. So, oh, well, well, you got to slice in here. You got to slice in here between us, man. Right. Oh, oh. You guys, you guys are way too hard on the Raiders right now. Way too. They first, like I said, they they can't they can mess this up. I just don't see them messing up. The the other thing is, look at the draft class without Mayock, and look at the draft class with Mayock. Yep. Now, do I need yep. to read off some of the names? T.J. Hall. Brandon Parker, Nick Nelson, Arden Key. Like, if you look at the 2018 draft class before Mayock got there, you say, okay, Colt Miller's decent. Bo Hurst. Marcel Amon is barely hanging on to a roster spot, right? And, and if you look at the 2019 class, even if you just look at the production from last year, you would say the 2019 class has more production than the 2018 class already with Mayock. Oh, yeah. so, so, again... As as Matt said, I, I have more faith in the Rays with Mayock on board, keeping Gruden at bay from him pressing the red button, whatever that red button leads to, which is probably danger. But I, I think having Mayock there balances it out, and, and you're going to get a pretty – and even class. And, again, I don't see them messing it up. The two options I see for the Rays at 12 are either taking a wide receiver or trading back. Now, some people are going to be upset if they trade back and Judy and Lamb are on the board, and I would be upset too. But I would say this, it, with a deep wide receiver class, I could see Mayock saying, well, we'll take a couple more. We'll take an extra extra swing at wide receiver then taking a swing at a wide receiver that we may like but not love as well. I can yeah. see that happen. And I think, uh, you know, the last quote we'll talk about, I think kind of plays into a little bit, too, about taking the best player available. That, um, and this one comes from Vic. And it's Mayock on the cornerback spot, and it says, we have a bunch of young, talented uh, – sorry, I'll start it over. We have a bunch of talented young kids that we don't know enough about right now. We'll wait and see how uh, the board falls again before committing to a, to one drafting one early. And, I mean, that to me, that's another you know hopeful, promising quote that they're going best player available. Maybe they don't even – you know maybe it's a, a guy like a Javon Kinlaw, maybe at one of those first two first-round picks if he falls there where – Obviously, they're loaded at D-tackle, but could use more pass rush. I like that a lot. I mean, I'm liking what I'm hearing from that, and I'm liking hearing that, you know, we're not just going to draft a player because we absolutely need it. Now, that being said, you know, the young kids that they haven't seen a lot of, that's kind of – that's to me is kind of like a a little bit of a scary statement too because I would like to see them add a top talent at corner, either, you know, Christian Christian Fulton or C.J. Henderson. But I'm curious what you guys think about – Take away from that quote as well. The, the, the uh, Raider hater here, I'll let you have the floor on that one. Yeah, to- totally, man. Did you see my new Raider hater tattoo I got yesterday? <laughs> I'm just so I'm even I'm in such a I'm such a lawbreaker with the social distancing, but no, I mean 
No, in that sense, it's kind of it's kind of funny how like you brought that quote up, Matt, because it's exactly what Mo just explained about. Hey, like they could trade back even if some of those yeah. players are on board, and it's it, 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 I'm with him. That, that would drive me a little nuts in this sense, and because I do understand the point. Hey, there are this is a deep wide receiver draft class, but I don't think you should use that excuses just to say, hey, we're just gonna take someone lower. We'll still get a quality one. Yes. You will still get a quality one, but you won't get the polished, immediate impact player, number one type of guy. And once again, I can already envision it now. Hey, they take, they take I don't know, like a Michael Pittman, for example. Solid receiver, probably even around close to the top five draft prospects in some cases. What, what do you get? It's like maybe like 40, 50 catches. Then once they're going to hear complaints about, hey, they still need that over-the-top, you know, level guy that's going to be the playmaker. And... When you have Derek Carr, quarterback, you need someone who is really good that can, you know, kind of take the load, very polished route runner. And I always bring it up. That's how you had Amari Cooper and Michael Crabtree with two 1,000-yard season. He excels with guys who are polished and can create separation. And that's why I love Jerry Judy for the Raiders, and I love CeeDee Lamb in that case as well. But trading back, I, I that's something you can get mad at because they still do have some needs, and, you know, they don't have a, a second-round pick, right? Um mm-hmm. And you, you you are sitting there at 19. A corner could be there. It could get also another wide receiver. And a lot's on the table there. And I think for in this one, in this case, you don't want to reach too hard for a corner. Although I've, I'm starting to see a little bit people putting C.J. Henderson in that top 15. Maybe because it, it completely falls out after him and Akuda. Um, I know you mentioned Fulton. Fulton wouldn't be bad either. Uh, but at 12, that's a little steep. It's it's a little it's a little tough position still. And as much as like I'm saying like, hey, I, what the hell are they gonna do? Because it is still tough. You know, you have two positions you can address: corner and wide receiver, and then you can also trade back. But it, it it's a little bit of a tough call. I really hope they go wide receiver at that pick. But corner is definitely something they need because, like you said, hey, we got young players, but it's just <laughs> it's just one of them. It's just one player, Trayvon Mullen, right now rostered. Other than that, you're hoping yeah. Isaiah Johnson, who's a very raw talent, that you're going to try to hope to develop unless somehow he just skyrockets into a premier player, which I sincerely doubt. Then it kind of feels like corner is destined to be one of their first picks, I think. And that's why when Mo says the trade back, I could totally envision that, even though they have Lamb and Juding sitting right there in their faces. Let's be honest real quick. Just, we, we can be honest with each other here, just the three of us. <laughs> You, you want the Rays to scrub that 12th pick so Lamb or Judy Fulton 49ers pick up. You, you oh, my God. <laughs> you, 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 that's what you want, right? You, you can admit it. You, that's what you want to see. I have no – I have no <laughs> – I'm not employed by the 49ers. I get, ta- I get paid to talk about them as a difference. Personally, I would love the Raiders to take Lamb – and then I, that's something I want the Niners to take if he's there. And I want the Raiders to take Lamb because he's just – Ah, he's just come on, man. He's my favorite one. Although I can't see Judy, I can't see Judy because I saw Ted Nguyen uh, say, "Hey, if they take Judy, dust off those AB playbook." And I'm like, "Wow, he illustrates that beautifully." And I, I think that's perfect. And that's exactly where they should go. I just have a little concerns because you know, like we had last week on with Bonte. Hey, he never had to have that worry about having that defensive scheme, you know, skewed towards his side because he had Rugs and he had Devontae Smith versus Lamb, which and I love this point that Q brought on a couple weeks ago. Lamb had three quarterbacks and he contributed to all three of them being Heisman Trophy winners. And 
he was always productive. I take away, I take so much away from that, and I know there's a little bit discouraging because of the conference he played in. But something should be said for consistency. So personally, for me, the Raiders with Lamb would be phenomenal. Um, trading back would be cool too because I think maybe the Broncos or someone or the, some team might be feeling the pressure to get some quarter. I mean, not the quarterback specifically for the Broncos, but like a Rugs. Or something, because who knows what the Jets are going to take? I mean, I know when Mo's right there, Mo's right there in in the in New York, and he's around. He's around his favorite people, the Jets fans. Probably has a better sense of it and how they're feeling. Um, I think a lot of that hinges on there. But no, Mo, I'm not. I'm not a Raider hater. I'm just. I just have fun grilling Gruden because I think he's very wild most of the time and i would personally love if mayock had a full autonomy full authority full control over this because look what he did last year's drafts and it would have been and if it happens again this year then shoot then everything then vegas is going to take off in its inaugural season assuming it does happen because who knows in this case but no mo (laughs) it's just i would love for the raiders to take lamb that's personally that's my final pick because i always remember last year at number four i had the raiders i wanted them to go ed oliver this year, if he's there, I want them to go with CeeDee Lamb. Yeah. Well, I think that's a good transition. We'll go get into our, our dream scenarios. We'll start with pick 12. Jose, it sounds like you're going with uh, CeeDee Lamb. So, Mo, yes. who's, who's your, uh, what's your ideal situation, I should say, with uh, pick 12? It's going to be Jerry Judy. Cause I think, uh, again, I just think he's a fit in that offense and he can contribute right away. Again, I, I just think Gruden wants to be able to put a lot on a wide receiver's plate coming out, and I think Judy to be able to intake all that and produce. Not to say that Lamb can't, but I, th- I just think that Judy has a better chance of doing it on that level. So if you're looking at a wide receiver one who can, again, Carr can throw to and go to, that that's that's Jerry Judy. And I think that that would be the best case scenario, even though I think Lamb as a prospect is a better is a better player. Now, Jose brought up what Bonta said. I think Q said about um, Lamb contributing, uh, even though he had kind of a revolving door at quarterback because those guys uh, went to win draft into the league and hurts is the next one coming in. I actually had that in my pinned tweet, if you had read it. Um, <laughs> I did say that Lamb uh, was consistent even though he had different quarterbacks. And he was he was consistently the, the top guy. Well, not the top guy, but he was productive. So you can't, you can't overlook that. But again, I think as far as polish is concerned, route running, go with Judy and, and, you, and you run with that. Gotcha. See, I, I hear you guys on both. Like I said, I'd be happy with uh, either Judy or Lamb at 12. But I'm going to go a little bit different. I'm going to be a little odd here. I'm going to say my guy at 12 that I would like if they're not going to trade out of it is I'd honestly really like to see them take Christian Fulton at 12. Um, I think he's, to me, he's my number two in this class. Okuda's kind of in his number one, uh, alone on a number one. I don't think there's much of a difference between Fulton and Henderson, but I like Fulton a little bit better for the Raiders just because it seems like Henderson is a little bit better in that press man coverage role, which, as we found out with Gary on Conley, is not uh, exactly those type of players don't exactly pan out in, the, in uh, Paul Gunther's defense, which seems to be sticking around for a while. And I just for me, like we talk about it a lot, there's so much depth in this wide receiver class that I think you can go to 19 and I think you can still get another guy. I'm a big Jalen Rager fan. I love that guy. I know he, I was hoping he would test a little bit better and not that he was something poor or showed any sort of poor testing at the combine. I was hoping he could test a little bit better to maybe surpass Henry Ruggs, but that obviously didn't happen. I like Rager a lot. I think if you give him a stable quarterback, you know, 
unlike what he had at TCU, I think he can be that number wide receiver number one, and you can get him at 19. So I kind of like the situation where they, you know, maybe get a cornerback, they get a Christian Fulton, who I don't think would be a reach in my opinion at 12, and they can uh, still get that wide receiver in the back end. Um, you know, if they do trade back, if they do kind of play this wide receiver situation where, hey, maybe all three are on the board and they kind of shot the pick to somebody else that wants it and gets back in the second round, maybe get a Pittman in the second round or something like that. I'm all for that too. But I, uh, I just kind of, I'd like to see them address the defensive side of the ball. I want to see them get stops. Um, Jose, you mentioned it, Isaiah Johnson, when they drafted him last year, he was a project and he just scares me throwing him out there right now. I mean, he played in what eight games and I used played lightly because he was kind of on the bench, you know, obviously had that injury in preseason. And that just to me is like, it's such a big hole right now that I kind of, I'd almost like to see them take care of that first and then, you know, get your wide receiver. But again, you know, I, I, you, can't, you can't go wrong with either of the top two guys at the wide receiver position. Jose, really quick, Jose alluded to this earlier, and I, and I, and I wrote this in a recent piece. I, I think Lamb and Judy pro ball, all pro, all pro players. And I think mm. after that, there's a drop off. And to me, if one of those two guys are available, you don't pass up on a potential pro no. ball player True. or an average average wide receivers are too good wide receivers yeah that's true true no I, I hear you on that i mean i get it i would again i wouldn't be mad at all if that happened um you know the one thing i will that i have started to see is uh it does seem like there are a few teams looking to trade ahead i don't know if it's this head of the raiders specifically but i was seeing early, reading earlier today on a police report shout out mo um that uh <laughs> that uh the Broncos are actually looking to try and get into the top 10 to take a guy like Jerry Judy. So I could definitely see a situation where, um, you know, what we thought maybe two months ago where, you know, Judy and Ruggs or Judy and Lambs are, are actually off the board. So I guess, uh, you know, turn the situation around on the head. If those top two guys, what are you guys thinking? You guys still want to target a wide receiver, get a Henry Ruggs or what are you thinking? How does that change your thought process with pick 12? Ooh. I was actually going to ask you guys' opinion on Henry Ruggs because we haven't really talked about him. And the funny thing is, I've been on two other podcasts today, and neither, and neither situation, and I, I have a situation I haven't talked about Henry Ruggs a lot. And it's weird because when you get on Twitter and you, you interact with Raiders fans, a lot of them like Henry Ruggs. A lot of them think he's number two behind either Lamb or Judy. Al Davis but, loves him. Al Davis would love him, but <laughs> I, again, I just have my concerns about his play strength. And how many how many wide receivers of his size are dominant at the level? I mean, you, you point out Tyree Kill, but even he got banged up last year. Although Beckham's been banged up, you know, he played every game last year, but he was banged up for a period. So I would want a bigger wide receiver. If you look at the top guys in the league: Mike Evans, Monte Adams, Julio Jones, DeAndre Hopkins. Those guys have some meat on their bones. Those guys are bigger wide receivers, and I just feel like if you're gonna play the percentages, and people say, well. First round wide receivers don't pan out. Well, if you're gonna play the percentages, you want a bigger wide receiver versus a smaller guy. Yeah. I mean, personally, I like I like Rugs. I'm not as high on you know. I know some people are claiming that he's the best wide receiver in the class. I don't get that at all. I'm with you on that. Where Mo, where you're, you're talking about you know Lamb and Judy kind of being in the class of their own, and then a little bit of drop off to Rugs. I like Rugs. I think he's a little bit better at getting off press coverage than people give him credit for. Um, you know, I definitely, you know, I was reading about uh, Ted Wynn's article on The Athletic, you know, more physical corners, like you were saying, Mo, with his play strength can kind of get into his chest and hold him at the line of scrimmage a little bit. But I do like his press releases normally, you know, against those guys that are going to go quick jam and kind of bail, run or turn and run. But, you know, I definitely hear you where he's not or he scares you in the sense that 
he doesn't fit the mold. He doesn't, you know, factor into the equation of what we typically see or I've seen in recent years of these big playmaking wide receivers that, you know, obviously don't run the same 40 times, but they can hold up, run routes and, um, and, uh, you know, obviously stay healthy throughout the year. So I definitely hear you. It's definitely a legit concern with him. And Mo, you know, I think the reason being no one's really brought up rugs when you've been hopping on other Raider podcasts because people don't see Raiders going deep at all with Carr and Gruden doesn't really set him up in that position anyways. And I th- like we, we actually brought it up last week too uh, with Bonte saying, hey, Ruggs is cool, but let's be real. Is he is he going to be utilized correctly in Gruden's system? Not really. You want to go deep with him a, a good portion of the time, man. I really like Ruggs. Personally, if the Raiders actually were more committed go, go, go bleh, towards going deep vertical with the ball, I would love him there. But I just have zero faith that they will do so. And I know Carr does have a bit of an arm when he actually wants to use it. Yeah. He, you know, he wouldn't be a bad option. And personally to me, the reason why I really came into liking Ruggs and why I only think he's number three for me is because when I saw Benjamin Albright comp him to Deshaun Jackson, I was like, whoa. And anytime he says something, I listen because I love his takes on anything. And so I started looking more on myself. I started reading more, watching more tape. And I'm like, this guy, why people just say, oh, he's just a speed receiver is just completely lazy on their part. He's damn good and worth being considered as a top three prospect. However, once again, it's just that fit. I just, and I know it is now going back to need. If, hey, if, look, we just talked about with best player available, he's the best wide receiver available. So what are you talking about then? Well, it's, it, he is, but, you know, there is more. It's, it's, each, each of them are different. Judy, Lamb, and Ruggs, each of them are profound receivers, very Pro Bowl caliber, you would hope so, as their ceiling, or if not better. But the thing is, each of them are going to be used differently. And, like, well, the reason why Mo wants Judy is exactly why it is. Hey, you need that person who can carry that load and just take over. And that's exactly how I said with, hey, you can dust off with the A-B playbooks of what Ted Wynn mentioned. But And then the reason why I like Lamb is just more just because, you know, you kind of bring back that old Crabtree style, exactly what Ted said as well. And with rugs, it's like, well, what are you bringing back? That deep vertical threat that was never there? I mean, sure, it would be nice to add, but are they going to use it? I I sincerely sincerely doubt that's going to be the case personally to me. I mean, maybe I'm wrong on this. I mean, I I know, Mo, like, you like him as well. And he he wouldn't be bad in this offense. It's just, I just don't trust him actually using him. And, I mean, that's a good point because I kind of like what you said with, you know, Derek Carr's affinity to checkdowns and, uh, you know, Gruden's playbook in that West Coast, you know, death by a million paper cuts offense. You know, if you're going to the way you're going to get chunk plays in the passing game is through runs after the catch, which that's what Judy and rug or Judy and Lamb are both really freaking good at for different reasons. But, you know, that's one thing that they definitely have far and above uh, on Henry Ruggs is Henry Ruggs got that sort of more straight line feed where speed, whereas, uh, you know, Judy's going to win with elusiveness and and so is a uh, lamb, but lamb has a little bit better vision and whatnot. So I hear you on that part. That's a good point. Really quick on Ruggs, I will say watching him, he did a lot of damage within 20 yards of the line of scrimmage. Now he he you would think that he's a he's this constant deep threat. He's not really a constant deep threat, but I will say that you know a lot of people make the mistake of comparing him to Tyreek Hill. One, that's a high bar. Two, again, yeah. he does a lot of damage within 20 yards of the line of scrimmage. So you can you can throw the ball to him and watch and have him do the work after the catch. The problem is I think that you can unlock more of his deep ball skills if you throw the deep ball. 
And exactly. I think that Raiders fans are going to be looking for that. Raiders fans are going to be looking for that if they draft Russ because they're going to say, well, we have our version of Tyreek Hill. And because of the way the Raiders offense runs and Greedy's offense is short passes, you know, high completion of passes, and it's not really a lot of deep stuff. Now, again, Carr has the arm to throw the deep ball, but you're not going to unlock that part of Ruggs' skill set if you don't throw it. You know, so I, like you guys, I worry about the fit in that sense because, again, he could do damage on the short passes, but are you going to get the full package of him being able to, to threaten safeties deep and, and get those 40-yard bombs downfield? I don't think you're going to see too much of that out of Ruggs in, yes. oh, in Las Vegas. Exactly, man. That's exactly it, how I envision it. It's like, hey, here's here's a puzzle. Now make it, and you're not instead of doing the whole instead of making the whole puzzle, you do two thirds of it. That's exactly what you're doing with rugs. You're just you're pretty much just cutting a facet of his game that makes him a complete wide receiver to him. That makes him unique. And it's at that point, why even bother tra- drafting him? You might as well just trade back, like how you how you mentioned as an option. And that's why that's why I don't see him as as someone they they should even consider. Yes, he's a damn good receiver, but I mean, it's like if you're not even going to, you know, use him the full package of him, then what's the point at that moment? You're pretty much just like you're you're personally the reason why he has the ceiling, not because of him. And so it, it, at that point, just trade back or take a corner, you know? Yeah, definitely. Definitely agree. There is Again, if you're picking a wide receiver, especially at 12, you want to use his full you want to use his full total package, all of his mm-hmm. skills. You don't want to use half of his skills or three quarters of his skills. You want to fully utilize his talent. If you're not going to fully utilize his talent, you might as well pass on. Yeah, especially with how high you're picking. You don't want to take those projects or something like that. You want to get someone that, hey, let's let's fully utilize him for everything he is. And um, us talking, like, sites made me kind of want to have a sidetrack a little bit. You know, we're talking about, obviously, popularized players, but what about someone that no one's talking about? Let's get it out of the first round. Who's someone that the Raiders should add in another position that, you know, that can be a contributor, someone that's not getting talked about? Like, me personally, we ta- there's been talking about Josh Jacobs. Who They need to find that second punch. And this week I was looking at – I finally looked at running backs for the first time deeply, and I would love for them to get Zach Moss. Zach yep. Moss would be great complimentary. I'm like, holy crap, dude, this is perfect. This is what they want to do. This guy's bully ball. He doesn't really have speed either. Um, I think he ran like over a four six, which is like, oh, okay. Well, but still, hey, he has he has the vision. He can get in there and he can punch it. He can punch the ball, which would be great. I mean, I, I don't know how you guys have looked at him and looked at look looked at that position or who else you can consider, but Zach Moss would be good. That's some person I'm thinking that under the radar that can look for a day two or day three type of player. I, absolutely. I, if, if you've followed me on Twitter long enough, you know I'm a huge back mom fan. I, I think he, I, for my first mock draft in January, I said the Raiders need to pick up back moms because him and Josh take us together to be a terror on the ground. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of broken tackles, a lot of, yard, a lot of uh, yards after contact between those two. But uh, just, to, just to kind of bring up another name, he probably, the Raiders probably won't get it, but he probably may go too high. But Clyde Edwards-Hilaire out of LSU, I think, is going to be the top wide receiver, top running back in this draft. But he's probably going to go in the second round. But a guy like that, he can run routes because Gruden likes wide receivers, running backs to be catch out of the backfield. And a lot of people I hear bring up A.J. Dillon. And he's a very popular name within Raiders Twitter. But he didn't show a lot of lot of his hands at Boston College. And, again, you know Gruden, he wants guys who can catch out of the backfield. And that's, that's just wasn't Dylan at Boston College. Now I'm not saying he can't, but he just didn't show that on the collegiate level. But I'm with I'm with Jose with Zach Moss. He, he would be my perfect pick if he's 
especially if he's in the third round or because of his combine. Now, he was hurt at the combine. He has to leave a hamstring injury. Now, if he falls because of a slow 40 time, he's there in the fourth round, I'd run to the podium. Pull that trigger, baby. <laughs> Pull that trigger. Wait, we're in the podium. We talking about they're picking from the living room, oh. <laughs> uh, we're doing we're doing everything virtually now, so I would, I would just send a send send Goodell a, a a DM or something or whatever. Like, hey, just 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 so you know, we're we're taking Zach Moss. Send the carrier pigeon. Yeah, I mean, Jose, as as soon as you started asking that question, Zach Moss is kind of like one of the first guys that uh that popped into my head, and you know, I was just looking him up on. You know, this little article from PFF, he had 87 missed tackles for us last season and Woo! had over a thousand yards after contact. I mean, that's exactly what they're looking for right now. A guy that, you know, can elusive, can take some of the weight off of Josh Jacobs and can be that bruising back. So I, I'm with you on that. The other guy that I would like to to see them target maybe like the third, and I think they may have to trade up into the second. I'm not 100% sure on where his status is right now, um, but I'm going to butcher his name. I think it's Nate Matue. I can't say it. But the, the guard out of Fresno State um, was banged up last year, and, and I think that's why he's not getting as talked about um, in the draft process. And obviously playing in the Mountain West, not the best competition. But I look at him as, you know, he's a guy that I don't know if they can necessarily walk away from Gabe Jackson right away because the guy has injury concerns and you want to make sure he's healthy before you just give away a starter. But, you know, uh, Gabe Jackson's contract's been a big topic of discussion in the offseason making like $9 million, which I think they can save literally all of it if they cut him before June 1st. And that's a guy to me that in the third round would be a great guy that can probably come in and start for him right away. Or at least, you know, maybe they get uh, Denzel Good to start the season and then as soon as he gets his feet wet, maybe he fills in for Richie Incognito because Incognito is what, going to be 37 at the end of the year or at the beginning of the year, something like that. So I would love to see them target him in the third round too. So I'm with you on the Zach Moss, absolutely. So. All right, that's two good ones. That wouldn't be a bad for a guard either. I mean, shoot, you're gonna pay him nine million dollars for that? It's 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 a little bit absurd at that point. He even when he came back from injury last season, he wasn't really that all all that good, really. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's he, like he, he struggled in some parts, and I can see why. I can see why they would consider because we all know uh, Ian Rapport reported that he was on the trade block. So obviously, his contract and him taking a step down a little bit, uh, I could see the Raiders moving him on draft day either day one or day two but a name to watch out for jonah jackson out of ohio state i think he'd be a good uh, option at guard if they want to go with a guard on day on day or around three or day two somewhere yeah someone to consider if, you, if you're going to trade jackson at some point all right mo there's no more football here but i do have to get your expertise since you you are our official guy fieri for the fly sweet podcast because <laughs> Okay. I don't know if Raiders would agree with you on that, but I'll take it. <laughs> it's it's pretty much just food or football, the two Fs, the best Fs there is out there. Well, there's there's something else, but I won't say it. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. So pretty much, Mo, what we wanted to play with you, just from nothing too deep. I had like about four or five options. I could have got a little little more deeper to be honest, but just 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 a little nice little feeler, a little bit of a take it or leave it since. You're, you know, you're a little bit of a picky guy. I mean, if we did cheesecake right now, I'm taking it. You know, I don't know. Like, Matt, did, did we ever establish if you like cheesecake last time? Oh, I love cheesecake. I love it. Oh, okay. So Mo's just the only quack here. Okay. All right. That makes a little yeah, sense. This, po- this podcast segment is over. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> this is over. You know what, Mo? We're going we're gonna to make a bet one day. And the bet's going to be you have to take a bite of cheesecake live for everyone to see. 
I think we're going to end up doing that. We're going to make a bet about something. I don't know when. Might not even happen. Maybe it will happen tomorrow. But that's something that's gonna, I'm going to hold in my back pocket with you, buddy. We both tried for, for months for that one, and they're still waiting to hear back from me. <laughs> <laughs> Mo won't even risk it. I like it. It's smart it's man. Smart. I can't risk my life that way, man. <laughs> I'm going to go out. If I'm going to go out, I'm not going to go out eat cheesecake. <laughs> All right, well, maybe you'll take one of these. I don't know how I came up with this. It just randomly just ran into my head. So there's four little options, and one of them I actually added while you talked about your peanut butter cookie. So, I mean, how about start number one? Do you are you taking or leaving an oatmeal cookie? An oatmeal cookie? I'll, does it, is, it, is it just an oatmeal cookie or is it an oatmeal cream pie? It's two cookies with cream in them. All right, we'll do number one, oatmeal cookie. Where are we going with that? Okay, I thought I was looking at a little bit of a picky, like, oh, I don't like the raisins, I can't do it, or something Wait, like that. Hold on, you didn't, you didn't say anything about raisins, you just said oatmeal cookie. You didn't say oatmeal raisin okay, cookie. Okay, here we go, oatmeal raisin cookie. Yeah, de- definitely leaving that oatmeal. Oh, Wait, what, what, what do you I have against raisins? One. I, I, the funny thing about this, I eat raisins, like, like, by itself, but if you put it on an oatmeal cookie, I won't touch it. What Wait, the? So you like oatmeal? And you like oatmeal cookies, and you like raisins, but you don't like oatmeal raisin cookies. No. Can't put it together. Can't, can't put it together. Gotta separate them. Gotta separate what about them. like... This is, not a, this is not a peanut butter and jelly situation. You gotta separate them. What about tra- <laughs> like trail mix? You like, do you like raisins and trail mix? I usually just, no, just pass on the trail mix. With <laughs> I knew it. This is what I was gonna get him on this one. I knew it. I can't. No. Okay, this actually makes perfect for my next trans. Okay, let, let's. What about the what about the little Debbie's, little oatmeal cream pie ones? Definitely take those. Okay, okay. No raisins no or anything special, just oatmeal cream pies, right? Just oatmeal cream. That's it. That's what we're talking. Yeah. All right. Well, here's something then, since we're stuck on the raisins, because I actually put this as my list. I think maybe it just might have just triggered something in my head when I was doing it. All right. What about raisin brand cereal? Are you taking it or leaving it? Leaving it in the store, definitely. Not even, <laughs> not even, not even looking in that in that direction. So you, you only like raisins by themselves. <laughs> I only like raisins by themselves. I'll eat raisins right out of a box by themselves. But if you put it with anything, anything, I am not touching it. <laughs> that, I, I have that. I've I've, I've never heard something like that. That's crazy. <laughs> Gotta have it alone. Gotta have it alone. <laughs> you know what? Let's just stick to the topic of cereal. That would have been a smarter idea. And then I'll just go random on the last two. Okay. What about um, how are we feeling for a corn pop cereal? Take it or leave it. If I was still eight years old, I'd probably take it. But as an adult, <laughs> um, not not messing with the corn pop. Excuse me. Cereal is for all ages, my friend. I just had some peanut butter crunch this morning. You need to grow up, Jose. You were just telling me how you don't eat cereal before the show. Yeah, I don't eat it before the show. You're saying I would come on and you just catch me eating it. Like, no, I never did that. I'll eat it occasionally, yeah. What the hell? Dude, there's no age limit on cereal. Jesus. Seriously. There's no age If you're still eating corn pops, what is that? No, no, no. I'm leaving corn pops. Corn pops are our buns to begin with. Fruity pebbles. If you're eating any of those cereals, Grow up. Dude, Reese's Puffs, man. 
Reese's Puffs, Pickle Pebbles. Those are my shit. Be a man and have plain Cheerios or Honey Nut Cheerios. <laughs> Cheerios. I'll even accept Apple Jacks if you want them. I like Apple Jacks. I'm cool. How did Cheerios make you a bigger man? Yes! They, he's like, be, 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 Cheerios. Excuse me, 16. Because, because grown men know that breakfast of champions, you're going to have cereal. Cheerios is the way to go. Ugh. Big grown men have some Cheerios. What about Wheaties? Oh, wow. I know, I thought it was. I don't mess with Wheaties. But I mean, Wheaties, they're like known for having professional athletes on the box. Like, how is that not a grown man's cereal? That's, that's, that's great. I mean, it is a grown man's cereal, but it's a disgusting grown man's cereal. <laughs> all right, all right. I can tell cereal is apparently not Mo approved because it needs to be some something for adults. All right, then I'll just finish it on the last two that I had written down. And it's going to be your favorite thing, Mo, about pizza. All right, being that you are a uh, New York guy, how do you feel taking or leaving Chicago deep dish pizza? I've actually had that a long, a long time ago, and I, I would actually take it. Actually okay. Take it. I'm not, I'm not one of those snobby New Yorkers who think, oh, New York pizza is the best pizza and the only pizza. I'll, I'll actually venture out as long as you don't put pineapple on it. I'm good. <laughs> Here's the thing. I've heard a lot of people just pretty much say it's not even pizza. It's pretty much just tomato soup. And I scoff at those notions because I love Chicago deep dish pizza. There's a, there's a restaurant called Pachi's Pizza in San Francisco. I love going there and I love getting their what is it? The barbecue jalapeno bacon pizza. Oh, dude, that goes that goes ham. I love that. Dude, I'm all about Chicago pizza. You go to Zachary's in the Bay Area. Got one in Berkeley. No, I haven't heard of it though. I've always wanted to go to it. That's my spot. And I mean, I'll take Chicago deep dish pizza over New York pizza any day of the week. Yeah, New York pizza wait, is wait, over over New York pizza. Oh, cool. New York pizza is overrated. It's when just floppy pizza. Exactly. It's floppy pizza, dude. It's like clay that hasn't been put in the furnace yet. <laughs> Excuse me? Are you guys ri- really? This is. Don't this you is, got, you got, don't you a fork and knife? That's, that would be the mayor, de Blasio, not regular New Yorker. De Blasio, by the way, cheers for Boston sports teams, but that shows you <laughs> New York style anyway, but. When's the last time you guys have been to New York City and tried New York style pizza? Uh, like three years ago. All right, so you guys may, may need to update your taste buds and take a visit. Excuse me, this is coming from the guy that's putting an age limit on food. <laughs> cereal. cereal. Yes, food. Very needed nourishment throughout your day. I mean, if you're eating Cheerios, Honey Nut Cheerios, Oh Cheerios, my God, this guy. Eat some Cheerios. Get away from the corn pops, the Reese's puff, cocoa puffs, and all that crap. <laughs> Have a grown man cereal and go about your day. See, this is why your tastes are kind of lukewarm. If you're ah! you <laughs> cereal, you'll be fine. But you're eating corn pops and, and cocoa fruity pebbles, whatever you guys eat, and, and you're just not getting the proper nourishment. This is the I just learned something. There's a connection to food and football takes. I never knew that. Thanks for schooling me up on that, Mo. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Brain can- We'll turn a lot faster than we have some Alright, I'll put it to the last one. Take it or leave it. Cold pizza. Cold pizza. Yeah. You got um, pizza? Are you just gonna eat it straight up? Are you taking that? Are you I'm, gonna, I'm gonna go with cold pizza. 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 Cold p
Are we talking coal as in you left it out cold or coal it's been in the refrigerator already cold? Been in the refrigerator already cold. Gotta leave it. You gotta you gotta have some. You can't. That, what? Like, yeah, sometimes you're hungry, you just gotta go in there. I do that sometimes. If I leave pizza out because I've eaten a whole pie and it's gone cold, yeah, I'll I'll eat that, but not after it's been in the fridge. You gotta you gotta heat that up a little bit. <laughs> you gotta heat that up a little bit. Cold pizza all day, man. Come on. Cold pizza! Really, really quick, because no one seems to agree with me on this. Um, <laughs> first of all, do you, guys, do you guys eat potato salad? Anybody here? Not really. I love potato salad. Not really. Now, you, now, if you were to have potato salad, would you eat it warm out of the microwave, or would you just eat it cold? Cold. Microwave. Thank you. Okay, Matt is the same person. He he says microwave. Warm <laughs> potato salad. There's nothing. There's nothing wrong with eating warm potato salad. I don't know why people have a problem with it. They think it's foreign. But warm potato salad is actually good. Just think about mashed potatoes. The flavor. All right, now you're going a little too. This. It's it's pretty good. I'm just try it. Jose, try it. You'll, you'll nah. Nah. Put, put, in, put down the corn puffs for one day and have some warm potato salad. I'll try it when you try cheesecake again. <laughs> Yeah, I might be on my deathbed before that happens. <laughs> All right, I think Matt had like one little final question because he's kind of get off his chest. I got yeah. So it's not necessarily a take it or leave it, but you're the Mo. You're the avocado smoothie king. I've never. I love avocados, but I've never had an avocado smoothie. But I'm I'm interested to know the logistics. Like, how do you make it drinkable? Like, do you add milk to it like a regular smoothie, oh. or like? Like juice, like how do they like? Cause like wok, when you make wok, it's not like you can't like suck that through a straw. Like how do they make it like so that you can actually drink it? Yeah, it's pretty thick. So what I do is I usually half it up. So I don't have the whole avocado. I take half of avocado and I add almond milk or oat milk or some type of milk. I I don't drink whole milk, but I add milk to it, ice, uh, cocoa, and sometimes cinnamon, and it's pretty good. It's pretty. I'm telling you guys, it, it's pretty good. Just don't use the whole avocado because obviously avocado will make a very thick mix, and you don't want chunks. I don't want too much chunks. But if you use half of it, add milk, cinnamon, cocoa, pretty good. With some ice, of course, it's pretty good. So you're mixing milk, avocado, cocoa, and cinnamon. Yes, dab That's... of cinnamon. Not too much. A dab of cinnamon, but a lot of cocoa. But a lot of cocoa. That seems like the most interesting combination of like wow. palate palate like i don't know what the word for it like just flavors to to throw into one one smoothie oh one thing i add a scoop of peanut butter on that um but <laughs> what seriously one scoop of peanut butter one heaping scoop of, not a small scoop a heaping scoop of peanut butter and and you'll get a very good chocolate peanut buttery thick shake it's pretty good Mo, your take on this, your take on this and the cereal is worse than your NCAA take. I, I, I think Mike, I, I'm looking at Mike's expression. I think he's intriguing. I think he's gonna try. He's oh my like god, dude! I mean, I I, I'm gonna have to try it because I'm, I'm an, avocado, an avocado aficionado. But uh, that t it does sound very interesting to say the least. Because an avocado, have you ever had an avocado before? Obviously. You, you know it doesn't have a strong flavor to it. So if you don't add anything, you're you're gonna you're just gonna have a bland shake. 
So that's gotcha. why you add the cocoa. That's why you add the peanut butter to it. If you want, if you like banana, I don't eat bananas, but if you like banana, you probably would add it, but it might make it too thick. Because the avocado thick, again, you want to half it. Don't use the whole avocado. Use half of it so that you don't so, get too much of it. Wait, you don't like bananas either? Like, who doesn't like bananas? I don't, like, I don't, I don't eat bananas. Alright, I'm done with the food takes at this point. We uh, all right, it, we, we can go a whole episode of just debating food with Mo, with Mo one day, and I think we probably should just because it's funny. <laughs> just because I feel like we go more back and forth on that than we do the football takes because we're always so linear on this stuff. Oh my god, my god. Yeah, we're gonna. I'm gonna save a bunch of what I have into a little bag, and I'm gonna take them out next time you're on. I'm gonna just throw them at you, and we're gonna get grilled on. All right, so yeah. Does this mean you're taking back? my guy fury title on no you're still there because this is this is amazing i love this food takes it's awesome but even though they're horrendous but yeah we got we i know mo's gotta get going he needs so he wants to watch the last dance and i actually want to watch it but it definitely means more to mo since he actually was able to cognitive was able to have memories for it and i don't (laughs) so (laughs) i can't wait to watch it and i'm pretty sure he's gonna be thrilled watching it absolutely yes guys I'm a pretty, I'm pretty much a dinosaur at 34 years old. I watched Michael Jordan <laughs> prize. A lot, a lot of these, a lot of what you're gonna see, I've already saw as a young kid. It's gonna be, it's gonna be pretty cool to see. Yeah, Mo's gonna put his jammies on and watch it. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, Mo, thank you for coming on, man. So where can, uh, where can the people find you? Uh, Mo Moten on Twitter. If you want to debate food takes and football takes, <laughs> I'm there for that. <laughs> Bleacher Report, I cover the entire league, plus the Raiders. I explained this before on another pod that I try to put Raiders on those Bleacher Report articles because a lot of people overlook the good that's happening with the with the franchise with Mike Mayock on board. A lot of people think the Raiders are just some dumpster fire because Drew is there who loves quarterbacks, but I believe that mm-hmm. there's a lot of good there. And I try to shine a light on that on Bleacher Report, even though I do cover the whole league. But if you want to see my Raiders-specific material that's on Silver and Black today, rumors, predictions, projections, Mo takes, Mastradamus takes, it's all there for uh for Asia. Awesome, check them out. Jose, where can they find you, man? At J Sanchez SI. Get at me, people. All right, you can follow me on Twitter at mholder95. Follow the pod if you're not already. Other than that, until next week. Peace.